Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. This is Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events in the world of golf. And it is the 11th of April, which means it's the Monday after the night before. Um, my name is Neil Tappin, and I'm joined uh, this week by Nick Bonfield. Nick, hi, how are you? Hello, Neil. Good, thank you. If a little tired than yourself? A little jaded, too. And Tom Clark. Hello, hello. How, how are we doing? How was your Masters Sunday? Uh, it was tremendous. Um, anything which ends with drinking six cans of Carlsberg Export, I think, is always a good evening. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Only the six? Only the six. You know, I had to do some work afterwards, Nick, as you probably <laughs> well know. So. Was it littered with typos? Uh, no, I don't think so. I tried to keep typing down to a minimum, <laughs> as ever. Uh, now, we are all fairly tired. It was a late night. Uh, we also had some work to do once it all finished. But uh, it was at least exciting this year, uh, which is more than can be said for the previous year. This one will go down in the history books. And we have um, a, um, an agenda for this podcast to crack through that I'll just run through with you now, gents. Yeah, thanks. Uh, That's we're going to discuss. Find out what we've got to talk about. Really <laughs> we'll, handy. we'll start with we'll start with Danny Willett, and we'll talk about um, the various different um, elements to yesterday and what it unlocks for the future for Danny. Uh, then we'll look at Jordan Spieth and the meltdown. Uh, then we'll just um, touch briefly on some of the other storylines from the week because there were quite a few. So we'll talk about the likes of Westwood and Langer, uh, Fitzpatrick, Jason Day, uh, and then we'll end up with a quiz about Lovely. the events we love of last night and the Masters in general. Everybody loves a quiz. Okay, so um, Danny Willett, he is our uh, number one talking point. Um, who wants to pick it up? What sort of performance was this? Nick, was this some, um, a performance that will go down in the history books as phenomenal or was he the lucky benefactor of a terrible Masters meltdown? It was a phenomenal performance, one of the best rounds I've ever seen in the final round of a major championship. Willett basically didn't miss a shot all day. He shot five under, he missed two makeable birdie putts on one and two, he missed a makeable birdie putt on 18. He basically seemed to hit every ball in the right portion of the fairways. Iron play was terrific and he held all the putts. It was a simply superb display and yes, a lot of people might point to the speed meltdown, but he did absolutely everything in his power to win that championship and he's thoroughly deserving of the green jacket. He, he, well, I must admit, I agree with you there, Nick. I thought he um, showed incredible um, uh, resilience under pressure, actually, because chasing in the Masters, as we've seen over the years, isn't an easy thing to do. Um, Tom, what did you make about the way in which he sort of built his challenge? Because even though I mean, he put a very solid front nine together, but even you know, as Speed started the back nine, he was five shots clear. Um, what, what did you make of Danny's performance? Well, I, I, you just said you just used a phrase there uh, about him chasing Spieth. I don't think he was chasing Spieth. I think he was just playing a round of golf at Augusta because I don't think it, I don't think anybody expected Spieth to drop some shots. He was playing so well. He's seven rounds in a row now that he led the Masters, etc. And um, I think Danny would. Have, I, I, I just, that's why I think he played so well because I just don't think there was any pressure on him. Um, he just, as as Nick said, he did was playing some exceptional golf, which was nice to see, especially as Spieth had kind of led the Masters up to that point just on the back of his putter. I know you, so, I know you can't just be leading the Masters on the back of your putter, but he hadn't exactly been playing very well. Um, and Willett was just playing just what was nice to see, some just very very good golf. So you don't think that, that Willett was under pressure on that front line at all? I don't think so, no, not at all. I think you've just got... His first, first real taste of 
master of a of a weekend of, of a Sunday in contention, and he's trying to put pressure on I'd, Jordan Spieth, and it's thought, the Masters, which is the most nerve-wracking golf course you can possibly play. You just think he was playing a normal yeah, round of golf. I don't think he think he, I I don't think that he thought he was going to win. I think well, that, no, I, they everyone the thought that Jordan Spieth was going to win. Yeah, you had Spieth leading Day and Johnson at level par. All the narrative was about those guys. And he didn't actually look nervous in that final round until about the 17th hole. And I, I remember saying to my flatmate on the 18th tee how incredibly twitchy and nervous he looked. And yet he still managed to fade one off the bunkers perfectly and play a brilliant approach to the green. So he was able to control his emotions as well, which was so impressive. What, what, what was the key to, to the win for him? What was the key to the, the performance? I think off the tee, was, he was so good with his driver. I mean, which he's not really known for, is he? Let's face it, he's not known as the you know, old daddy. Yeah, he, he bombs, he hits every fairway and hits it miles down there with his driver. That's not what he's known for. He's known for being solid golfer, being good around the greens. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, <laughs> but he was just he just hit every fairway. Everybody else was just struggling. Well, not everybody else, but there was an awful lot of people who were trying to attack, who were either missing fairways or just missing greens in the wrong parts, or just not being able to, you know, just leaving themselves in the wrong areas because they've gone too aggressive. And he, Danny just played a very, very solid round of golf. He managed it very well, and I actually can't think of a time where he missed the fairway. Yeah, that's correct. Me if I'm wrong. He missed the fairway on uh, 17, didn't he? Barely. But, yeah, by, by yard. Barely. And then he had to hit a hook around the tree, which meant yeah. that he missed it long left. Yeah. I'm... And then he did get the chance to display what he is renowned for, i.e. a fantastic short game with that chip. Yeah. Um, were you both surprised that he, came, that he came through the field to win that? Yes. I wasn't surprised <laughs> that he was a guy who shot that in the final round of a major. I was surprised at Spieth coming back to him. Yes, absolutely. I don't think anyone saw if it. Anyone so, well, Nick, you definitely didn't see it coming. I because didn't, and again, you I was crying your eyes out about yeah. 20 minutes beforehand saying that Jordan Spieth had made it two of the most boring majors <laughs> in a row. You were on our group, yeah, was... group chat for everyone who wants to know how I know this. And suddenly, the drama of sports, you know. I was furious, and you know why I was furious? <laughs> How, how dare Jordan Spieth play so well? How dare he and ruin your Sunday evening? But that's the very point, is he didn't play good golf, particularly at okay, all in that final round. We're, I pieced everything okay, together. Okay, I'm going to stop you there. We're going to talk about Jordan Spieth in a second, but let's focus on Danny for now. Okay. Um, what what does this do to his status in the game? Is he um, is he now a major contender, do you think, at every single venue he now turns up at along with the likes of you know those top players like sort of you know people would talk about Scott and Spieth and Day and McElroy and Bubba and Johnson is he in that sort of bracket where he could turn up anywhere and he would be rightly considered as a, as a real danger I think so I mean look now he is known on the world stage which I always find it incredible sometimes when Europeans are having really good success. I mean, he was something like 11th or 12th in the world when he went into this. 12th. Event. And a lot of Americans still didn't know who he was, as is often the case. A similar thing happened to Victor Dubuisson when he won the match play. So now he is renowned on the world stage. I mean, he almost won the Open last year. Well, didn't almost win the Open last year, but he contended in the Open last year. He's into the world's top 10 for the first time. And I think he should be considered in the, the bracket that's slightly below the top three. Maybe in, in the Justin Rose bracket, certainly. Oh, high praise indeed from you then, Nicholas. It was a flawless performance on Master Sunday. He was. <laughs> I mean, Danny has been playing really well. I mean, I think when he got uh, name-dropped by Donald Trump, 
um, <laughs> at the WGC the other day. I did fear for him <laughs> when that happened. And Donald Trump said, look, this guy, he's a really good golfer. Oh, thanks for that, Donald Trump. Everybody knows that because he's 12th in the world. But you, well, he obviously didn't know that. But um, he, he's playing really good golf. And he's the second Englishman ever to win at the Masters. He's not going to be, you know, it doesn't matter now. He will be contending. He will be spoken about at every single event from now on. There's no, there's yeah, no escape. escape but I think Tom, the 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 point is that he, when he turned pro, he turned pro as the number one yeah. ranked world amateur. And um, watching, I don't know, watching some of the American reactions to what was going on last night, you felt as if almost that that for them this was a complete shock, a complete bolt from the blue. But I think for those of us who've been around European golf for a while, those of us who've you know, watched international golf at the highest level for a few years. Danny Willett, whilst he might not have been one of the leading contenders, certainly he did seem capable of winning going into it. Um, it, it still felt slightly unbelievable when he did it, because uh, there's Danny Willett wearing a green jacket. I can't quite believe it. But it, it wasn't a complete shock for everyone. Well, no, it shouldn't have been. He was 12th in the world. I mean, the, I, think, exactly. I, I, think, I think the odds... I, I managed to pick up Danny Willard at 60-1 to 1 after the cut. Oh, here we go. Okay, I needed to put that on there. <laughs> and I, I bet on four people who were all even par after the cut. They were Dustin Johnson, Shane Lowry, Lee Westwood and Danny Willett. Danny Willett, um, 12th in the world, was 60-1. to 1. He was even par. Dustin Johnson, also even par, was 18-1. to 1. And Shane Lowry and Lee Westwood were 30-40. I just don't think anyone gave him any respect, and that's why... So Willett was outside Lowry? And so. outside Westwood, and they were all all of the same school. Wow. So Incredible. Yeah, exactly. I just don't think anyone ga gave him enough respect for how well he's been playing. You don't just get to 12th of the world, fluking, finishing you know, a couple of top 10s here and there. He's won tournaments, and he's played very and well. And he was third in... Third at Doral not long ago yeah, as well. Exactly. And he'd won already the season on the European Tour in one of the European Tour's biggest events. Exactly. Um, and he looks, well, he's going to play at the Ryder Cup, isn't he? What sort of, um, what sort of impact do you think he'll have on, the, on Darren Clark's team room? Because Danny Willett is, I don't think, I don't think I'd be being unkind to say that he's, he's not particularly um, gregarious character. He's not somebody that spends a lot of time with a lot of other players. He is more of a sort of focused individual, isn't he? He's not one of these guys that you'd see like Andy Sullivan out there laughing and joking and constantly t tweeting his mates. And it, D Danny Willett's a little bit of a different character to that. Do you think that's a, um, that he'll have a, a positive impact on the, on the team room? And, and if so, why do you think it will be that way? I think you need to find a balance in a Ryder Cup team room and I don't think everyone necessarily has to be this extrovert gregarious character um, as long as he's well managed by Darren which you will be but but the main thing is imagine if you're an American having watched that performance and you see your name against Danny Willett in the Sunday singles you're now going to think crikey I've really got a task on my hand to win this tournament and I think that's where his presence will really count as opposed to in the team room because he doesn't really give you many opportunities because he is so solid from tee to green chips well and putts well so if he plays his, his best stuff, then as an opponent, you're thinking, crikey, how am I going to beat this guy? Because he just won't let me in at all. I, I, think, you know, I think you're being slightly harsh on Danny's role. I think he's, I think he's quite a fun character, actually. Uh, he has uh, admitted himself that he doesn't spend that, he doesn't have that many friends on tour. Yeah, I know, but I think that he's, he's one of those characters who... Thanks, Nick. Who, I think if you <laughs> hang around with him, 
No, I mean, I I know we we spent a day with him at a a, re, a reader event a few years ago, but I think he you know he's one that will come out of his shell when required, and you know when you're in that group that that team environment, it's just you and your uh, the other eleven players that are going through it. I think it really brings everybody together, and I think he's the kind of person who you know can make people laugh if required and and stuff like that. I think I think I think he's going to be really good. Um, addition to the team. I also think that he's going to be really good because he's obviously played a lot of amateur golf, um, was world number one, and I always think, that, for whatever reason, a lot of the, the amateur players do very well when they have to go and play in the, in the Ryder Cup. I don't know whether it's because they play more match play or whatever it is. Yeah, and and every every Ryder Cup side needs its rookies, needs its rookies to come in and breathe a bit of extra life and excitement and um, different sort of element and personality to it. So having a rookie come in who's also a major winner, who's also in the top ten in the world, uh, is phenomenal, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so do you think he's unequivocally a positive? Absolutely. Um, only strengthens what's going to be a very strong side, anyway. So do you think this is a um, for Danny? This is a one-off major win, or do you think he can go on and be a, a sort of a, up there with a sort of a Nick Faldo of sort of great English uh, golfing champions? I, th- uh, I think that's that's a, a massive push. I think there's a tall yeah, order. It's, it's, also, it's, it's also obviously an impossible question to properly answer. Um, if you're going to look at it, and if you actually looked at the leaderboard, it was amazing that Spieth, Rory and Jason Day were all in the top ten for the whole tournament. All the chat had been about, oh, well, it's going to be those three players, but there's about ten other people in the world playing really well anyway. They were still up there, and I think they still are going to be the force going forwards but I still you know, there's, there is so many people out there who could pick up majors um, I think it's very hard it's going to be very hard to, for anyone to win multiple majors now that's why I think Spieth did so well last year because there are just so many people who will be on their day capable of taking home the spoils yeah I wouldn't surprise me to see him win another couple but if we're getting to Faldo level that I mean I'm not ruling it out just at this moment in time, it's unlikely given the quality of golfers out there on the tours at the moment. I would, I would but agree with he that. Has, he but has then if maybe built... he only needs to win two or three, Nick, to be considered up there with Faldo. Sure. No, I, I fully understand that. And I fully understand that he has been world amateur number one. And he's built the blocks in his professional career to get to this point and improved gradually to the point where he is now one of the world's best players. Let's just see. Let's all hope that happens. But let's just not be overly surprised if it doesn't and let's not heap loads of pressure on Danny now that he's won one and try and make him be this, this Fado type character. Well I should think the only pressure that he's really going to feel is the pressure that he puts on himself and I'm sure he's he's doing that in space because he's a very confident character uh, but then that, that leads us on to our uh, sort of second big topic to discuss and that's Jordan Spieth. Um, it was <laughs> the as Tom alluded to earlier the conversation that was going on on the golf monthly um, group chat last night was interesting because halfway through or you know towards the end of the front line everyone was talking about how this was going to be another boring masters and everyone was struggling to stay awake um, and then within the space of 10 or 15 minutes it went from being a procession to being um, absolutely electrifying didn't it um, why do you think what what happened to Jordan, basically? What happened to him? How did he make such a such a basic error? I mean, this is somebody who, A, has won it before, who, B, has finished second there before, and C, is probably one of the most astute um, golfers around. He's the sort of Bernard Langer of his generation. What happened? Yeah. But no one's impervious to pressure, and I think the 
preceding two bogeys probably influenced him into trying to take a more aggressive line on the 12th tee. And he did that. And he'd been struggling with hitting the ball right all tournament. So it was a combination of those two factors that, that led to the ball ending up in the water. And then he made it, he, made, he admitted afterwards he made the error in where he dropped the ball over by the 13th tee. And he struggled to really commit to the shot from that angle. But I think if he pars 10 and 11, or at least pars 11 and bogeys 10, he probably takes the conservative line. But I think he was probably feeling the pressure at that stage, tried to be a little bit more aggressive than he needed to be, and ultimately made the mistake. I, I, I think there are some. I don't think it's one single thing. I think it was a build-up of things. I think the the issues that uh, Nick spoke about, ten eleven, certainly had a thing. But what I think is actually that brilliant twelfth hole at Augusta, the one that everybody loves. Yeah, he's still got it. <laughs> it's only hundred and fifty yards. <laughs> he's still got it. You see all those, those those that footage from down the years of people, you know. Just rolling into the water agonisingly, and it was it was great to see another you know that first tee shot. I was watching it with my brother, and my brother cheered. He's a West Ham fan, as if West Ham <laughs> had won the league because when George Spieth's first ball went in in the in the water, um, and I, it's just the pre- it's just the pressure, and it's that hole. They always say going around that course, it doesn't matter how well you're playing until you've got off that tee and you're on dry land, the, your round is nowhere near done. And, you know, I don't, I don't know whether he was going for that aggressive line or was it just a bad shot? I I'm not sure, but... I think it was a combination of the two. A combination yeah. of the two. But it wasn't even windy, which was interesting. Is No. Oh, no but it's generally on a Sunday at Augusta, you see loads of clips of people coming, off, coming out of their tee shots and finding the water or shouting, go, 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 and their ball coming up short in the water. You didn't see anyone long, hardly. I certainly didn't in the coverage. I didn't see anyone else in the water. I no, none think. of the contenders were, were in the water, were they? So no. you have you have to point to pressure at that point. Oh, but yeah, the, the, the pressure is obviously there, as opposed to the conditions or the hole. Admittedly, it is a great hole, and it does play with your mind on the tee. But it was a bad swing, uh, and uh, he obviously felt the pressure on that tee, as he should have done, because Willett's making birdies, and he's just bogeyed two of the most difficult holes on the golf course as well. I, I, th- the... I think it was the course catching up with him. The the, the, the days before, the, I watched every single shot of the the uh, the third round where he played with Rory. I thought Roy was really unlucky. Every time he missed a fairway, he was next to a tree, didn't have a backswing or something like that. I know he wasn't playing well and then putted poorly. Every time Spieth missed a fairway, which was a hell of a lot, he would appear to be in an acreage of no trees with a, with a massive gap to get out of it or anything like that. It was, it was ridiculous until the 18th hole where actually a couple of bad shots hurt him. I thought it was finally, it was just finally the course caught up with him, the play that he'd been going on with. If you compare it to, And it was so lucky compare, on Sunday as well, wasn't yeah. it? If you on compare to his hole. play from this year to last year, it was completely different. Last year he was just, yeah. he was robotic. It was like the Terminator had turned up at Augusta. Well, it, it felt a bit like that this year. I know that he, he wasn't, his long game was poor pretty much all week. He said it, he described it as a B minus. Um, I, I would say it was even worse than that actually I, I'd say of all the, the contenders Jordan Spieth played comfortably the worst tee to green but his putter was just electric but as we've all said in the end you just can't get round Augusta without um, without your long game being in check and you take Danny Willett versus Jordan Spieth and the way that they pl- played those their, their final rounds um, Willett didn't miss a shot uh, every second shot was fired off into the right part of the green. He had a lot of chances. He didn't make them all, but he made a, he made a few. Um, Jordan was always out of posi- position, it seemed to be, either being saved by his putter or when he got himself into a position, his putter was what got him across the line. What I just didn't expect to see, I think anyone can miss that green 
off the tee with the, with the swirling wind, even if there wasn't a huge amount of wind, it gets into your head. Um, you, you then, I, I thought, this is where we're going to find out just how good Jordan Spieth is because he's going to regain his composure. He's going to somehow get out of there with a double and he's going to go on and he's going to grind his way to, to a victory here. And the truth is, the shot, the second attempt to get over the water at 12 was just pure and utter pressure. Um, well, it's, 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 one, it's my usual chip shot, I think. If I, if, <laughs> Me too. To be you, I, I would have tried to lay up, I think, there. From, from where he was. <laughs> well, he almost <laughs> he did. I think he, he did. made the water, didn't he? <laughs> he? He did quite well to get his third one over the water, actually. Yeah. He could have... Yeah, it could have been a sort of um, Ernie L style yeah. lapse. Uh, so he, he actually gets up and down from the bunker yeah. as well for a quad, for a quadruple bogey as well. Was that a worse meltdown than Greg Norman's in '96? No, no, no. I mean, that was. I mean, <laughs> Speed. He had a, a one bad hole. Let's face it on that last night. He had one bad hole. I know he, he had a couple of other bogeys, but everyone was having a couple of birdies. Bogeys. He had four birdies in a row. For good sake. But then. You know, I thought you, you, that little run in, I thought he could completely lose the plot here. He could completely go. But I think Norman's meltdown was over a period of holes, hole after hole after hole, whereas, whereas Spieth's was just that one flashpoint. Um, and credit to him for the way he bounced back as well. I mean, great up and down from the back of 13th birdie. Almost hold his part on 14. Yeah, but he's Lovely gone at that point, 15. hasn't he? But he wasn't right. gone, though. If he'd hold that birdie part on 16, he just needed to make a birdie up the last two holes to force a playoff. And the pin on 18 was in a fairly generous position. I think yeah. just as soon as he missed that part on 16, though, he knew it was over. Mm. He, 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 he knew he was going to struggle to birdie both 17 he did. and 18. Uh, do, do, do you think, as some people have said, that this is going to be a hard thing for him to get over? Do you think he's going to maybe have a, a difficult year as a result of this and then do you think there'll be any yeah, sort of demons at Augusta for him as a result yeah. of this or do you think no, he'll be normal he, he, looked, he looked devastated at no. the end and I did feel rather sorry for him that he probably wanted to go in a little room and cry and <laughs> he had to give the Danny, Will yeah. Danny Willett the jacket obviously yeah. twice I'm so glad they that didn't. Was... I'm so glad they didn't ask him any questions um, when they gave him the green jacket. I thought that was nice because I think he would have just burst into tears. Um, that was awkward, wasn't it? it? It's, it's like I, 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 I can't remember. I can't remember anything like that happening before, where uh, where the defending champion has <laughs> has lost it at the end, and then it's just in it's just in the eyes of everybody. And I also thought, I think everyone was looking at Jordan Speed more than Danny Willett, but, you know, it was, it was odd. No, if there's one thing we know about Jordan Speed is that he's very mentally resilient. I think, if anything, this will fuel him going forward and make him more determined to bounce back. That's yeah. just the way I perceive Jordan Speed. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. Uh, one question I had for both of you. What do you think about both Speed and Danny Willett's use of the word we when they mean I? Uh, I I'm, glad you've, I'm glad you've mentioned that because... Um, that was noted heavily in the Clark household. Yeah. Um, I think it shows that they are part of a team, and um, you know, Spieth, Spieth and his caddy obviously talk about every shot for far too long. But they do feel that I think they do feel that when they're going around the course, that they are part of the team, and they just bounce so many ideas and feelings off their caddies. Um, and obviously, their caddies are obviously earning m money with them as well. So. One of the quotes that amused me, actually, coming out of the final day was um, 
was Jordan Spieth, after the round, being interviewed by a whole load of people as he walked off 18, said um, he turned to his caddy and said, Buddy, we're collapsing here. <laughs> I thought, I wonder whether Michael Grill had turned around and said, you know what, I think you're collapsing, I'm doing yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, the use of the word we does irritate me a little bit, if I'm honest. <laughs> it's like, yes, you can be a team, but you're still pulling the trigger and hitting the shots. Just say I. Just say I. The, the, the caddy's not really under that much Just pressure. Say I. Let's not forget Steve Williams when he said, um, when he, well, with Adam Scott, and he was coming out saying, oh, I think I'm a really good front runner. <laughs> I don't know if everybody remembers that. Yeah. Like, hang on a minute, mate. You're just carrying the background, dude, aren't you? <laughs> so, the, I mean, the, caddy, the caddies do feel... I mean, the, they're not just guys who carry the bags now. They are so part of it, and they, and they feel a part of it. Um, and, and it's waited you know, on me for a while, that to be I honest, get that. Because Ricky Fowler was doing it a couple of years ago as well. I don't know if he's still doing it. Yeah, Paul Casey does it as well. I get it. I understand you're part of a team. And, you, and also, I understand the psychological effect it has on you of sort of taking a little bit of responsibility of the sort of weight of responsibility off your own shoulders and spreading that around. I understand that. But when someone says, um, what were you thinking as you stood over that putt on 14? You said, we were really nervous. <laughs> you know, the reality is, well, the caddy might have been nervous, but he's not holding the putt <laughs> yeah. at that point. Um, okay, well, let's just quickly touch on some of the other talking points then. Um, Lee Westwood, firstly, finished uh, tied second with Jordan Spieth, another second at the Masters. Uh, seems to be... The, the major that really, if he was going to win one, it would have been this one or it could be this one. Um, when he got in there with a sniff of the lead at 15 when he held his eagle chip, he then went on and three-putted 16. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts on the way that Westwood closed out? Good and bad or ultimately a sign that maybe Lee doesn't have what it takes to win a major? I, I, typical Lee Westwood for me, that three-putt. Just summed him up completely. I I, oh, I, I think, think it was actually the, the tee shot was the worst one on sixteen, because he just he hit a woeful tee shot. It was short and right. I think is on the angle. Yeah, um, he just chipped in for eagle. Go yeah. straight at the pin. Yeah. Come on, go and seize the initiative. Yeah, and th that was the issue. I I say that I mean it was really good to see Westwood contending, and I think he showed at least that he should he should be if he doesn't qualify for the Ryder Cup which I think he probably will anyway then he then he should he needs to get picked by Darren Clark which I think would happen um because I think his game's in good sh in good shape actually it was just a shame yeah. I just thought it was that was his we had a, such a good chance to win you know he was pl he's playing really he nicely I think he needed Willett to drop a shot and, and it never really looked like Willett was going to drop a shot because even if he'd hold apart and made birdie on, four, on 16, he still would have had to find another one on 17 or 18, which is obviously is doable. But with Willett playing so well, that was also a sort of a factor. Yeah, I, 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 it just seemed he didn't put any pressure on his play. They, <laughs> I, do, I do wonder what it was like, because they played the Par 3 tournament together on the Wednesday. Yes, part of the same management group. Yeah. with uh, um, Billy Foster's good friends with Danny Willett. Yeah, so they played there, and they were having a little joke and, and all that. And they were probably... Most of that Sunday, you know, having a good round of golf with each other, and then suddenly yeah. gets that point where they look at the scoreboard. They go, "Crikey, George Spieth's just taking a seven on the twelfth. Danny, you're you're winning, and Lee, you're you're second. Hang on a minute, you yeah. two now are no longer just having a nice round of golf. You're you're now going for the Masters." Um, and and it just it summed it up because as Westwood three passes for bogey, Danny Willett made birdie, and then it yeah. just. Um, Westwood's chances look for me look to be sunk then because I just thought 
if you're going to win a major, you're going to need to do something special at some point mm. in the last few holes. And as sad as it is, because I, you know, met Lee Westwood a few times. He's a nice bloke, and he's been probably our England's greatest player for the last decade or so. And, and undoubtedly, the quality of his ball striking has deserved a major championship. But that little something, that just that that one percent that gets you over the line in a major, Lee just doesn't seem to have it. It's true. Did you guys listen to the post-run interview with Lee and Tim Barter on Sky? Where, where Lee effectively said, I played three out of 14 weeks coming in here. I was very underprepared and I wasn't really expecting this because I hadn't really prepared properly. I was thinking, why on earth haven't you prepared properly for the, <laughs> for the first major of the year? What's wrong? What's wrong with you? Why haven't you done that? Uh, I didn't like his comments afterwards, to be honest with you. Well, did, I, did yeah. you not hear I, that? I, I, didn't, I, didn't actually say, I didn't actually see that interview. but um, the, the inference was that he hadn't tried very hard before and he was surprised that he'd done so well. And I was just wondering why he hadn't tried that hard when he's over 40 years old now and still hasn't won a major. Well, but, well maybe actually by putting less pressure on himself before the tournament was one of the reasons why he, he managed to finish so hard. Yeah, it's putting less pressure on yourself and then there's preparing. Yeah, well, I, I think you have to take any comments off straight after a round of golf, probably, yeah. Yeah, with a pinch a little of salt. Bit of yeah. salt to be honest with you. Um, okay, uh, Bernard Langer was one of the, the um, most interesting storylines from uh, this week. Was stood on the, the first tee on Sunday morning, had a chance of becoming the oldest major winner by 12 years. Um, Tom, as you were the Ten one years. who... of the three, What? 10 years, no? No. He's 58. Yeah, and Nicholas was 46. Yeah, Julius Boros won the US Open when he was 48. Oh, Masters winner. Masters winner. <laughs> <laughs> There's always someone there to to correct me, isn't there, Nick? <laughs> you. <laughs> um, um, Tom, as our, the, the only one of us who watched Saturday, <laughs> I was at wedding, Nick was, I don't know what Nick was doing. What were you doing? Uh, it's my best friend's birthday. Let's just Let's just draw a line under that quickly. We don't, want, we don't want to know what Nick was doing on Saturday. What, how good was Berners round on Saturday? Uh, it was amazing. It was, it was brilliant. And um, the thing I liked most about it was that he was playing Jason Day, who hits the ball probably 60 yards further than him off, off yeah. the tee, we say. I think probably Regen is mine. It might be more than that, to be honest with you. And Langer just, hit, just controlled his ball all the way round the course, just put it in every single perfect area, the length of the course, everyone goes on about how long it is. It doesn't seem to didn't seem to bother Bernard at all, and he's fifty eight. Um, the only issue he had was obviously he had a bit of a, a, a bit of an issue on eighteen. But he to, to see to, to see him play so well, it was it gives us all hope. And I I know I've mentioned a couple of times before about Tom Watson being at two thousand and nine Open, and the enjoyment that he had on his face over that week uh, when he was competing again and. I don't think Tom ever thought he was going to win that, and that's probably why he he fell at the final hurdle. And I don't think Langer ever thought he was going to properly, properly win that. But he was just having a great time competing. I think he's just enjoying the limelight. He's been playing so much good golf on the seniors tours he's plays on, and it just, it just shows that if you have got the game, it doesn't matter how far you hit the ball. If you've got a good game, good control of your uh, abilities, then you can compete anywhere. Um, Ball flight, yeah, in particular. Exactly, and it's, I mean Sovereign Kelson. I mean, so who had picked Sovereign Kelson before the start of the? You'd say his game had nowhere near what was required to win at Augusta. He played superbly as well, I thought. Um, and it's, he, he did. It, it, he was, did. It's, it's nice to see Augusta showing you don't just need, you know, to bomb it down there. Um, you know, have a, a, 
a good high ball flight and stuff like that. There were more than one way to skin a cat, and you could see by that that leaderboard, you know, come Sunday evening, that there was lots of different kind of players up there. And it has produced a variety of different winners over the years as well, absolutely. Um, okay, um, next person to discuss is Matt Fitzpatrick, finished, uh, I'm wanting to say top seven. I, I can, tell you, where he, tied I can tell you where he was tied seventh, and I know that for a fact because, again, I had a bet on him at 250 to 1 and uh, with the, the the bookmaker I placed that uh, that wager they were paying out each way top 7 so I managed to get a little bit of money back from him good, good um, <laughs> uh, he uh, for, for his that's his second time playing at Augusta I think a lot of people felt that it was his first time but as he was a, a previous US Open um, sorry US um, amateur champion he'd actually played before he played with Rory in mm. fact, I think um, a couple of years ago. So it was his second time out at Augusta, and it's easy to forget how young he is because he's a little bit like Jordan Spieth in that he he seems to have um, that mental strength actually to do to do well. Do you think? Do you think he could go on and win at Augusta? Well, I think no, he's another one of those guys who you wouldn't necessarily say it's a perfect course for him, but given his display, yes, absolutely. And, and you know what I noticed watching him in the final round was he seems to have put on quite a lot of length off the tee recently, yes. uh, yeah. which is something that I just picked up because they were showing him quite a lot. And, no, and he's definitely been working on that. He's definitely tried to, to add that in. I mean, he was going into 15 with iron, for example. So, yeah, he's got that tool on his armoury now and add that to everything else and it, it adds up to someone who uh, could potentially win at Augusta. Absolutely. Yeah. And looks very likely now to be at um, at Hazel time for the Ryder Cup. Yeah, um, I think I, I know I've mentioned this in previous podcasts about he could be the one of the backbone of the European Ryder Cup team for <laughs> yeah. about I think <laughs> I said 200 years. years I think yeah. I said <laughs> but he... Yeah, I think he had the most green, uh, sorry, most fairways hit. Uh, I think for the whole week, um, he has you know, that 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 course does suit him. I, I had a conversation with you, Neil, before about he won at he won at Woburn last year, and Indeed. if you're going to compare August to any course in England, at least you probably would compare it perhaps to Woburn. It's similar-ish in in setup. Um, and he just seems to like that. I think he could do really well around there for for a good few years, which I think is always good to have another Brit competing and you know doing well at the Masters. And it was, it was a very six Brits in the top twelve or something like that. Yeah, indeed. It was a very good day for Chubby Chandler. He had obviously the winner. He had Lee Westwood and um, and Matt Fitzpatrick as well. So um, definitely, I'm sure drinks were on Chubby last night. I bet. Um, uh, and they're probably still uh, going for me. <laughs> Quick word on Jason Day. He had a strange tournament, didn't he? Mm, very odd. <laughs> um, halfway through day one, I thought he's going to win this by miles because he's just too good. <laughs> he's just too good for the rest <laughs> of them. And then he had a strange meltdown um, on that first day and then played quite well to get himself back into it, but then nothing happened to it, uh, for him yesterday. Yeah, if he'd played the last 63 holes in level pie, he would have been in the playoff, believe it or not. Uh, the way I interpreted it was that he saw Spieth uh, extending his lead and he knew he was miles back and he looked resigned to me to, to not being the champion as early as about the sixth hole when he was one over par um, I just think much like we often talk about Rory struggling when he knows he's not going to win I think Day probably had that attitude given who was the front runner um, and I think that probably just took a little bit of an edge off his play 
I thought he was, he was very. I think it was an odd final round for him, where he, I think he had a lot of bogeys and a lot of birdies on his card. I mean, he finished tenth, didn't he? Um, and Did he? yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know. He was, like, was there or thereabouts. He finished yeah. tenth alongside Rory, who, the way people I think talk about the, their game, you would thought that they were out completely out with the washing. So. Um, he he just didn't seem to. I know he hasn't. Well, he hasn't won round there, but he has played very well round there. But I just think that Jason Day just he just got over attacking in the wrong places, um, especially yesterday. He I think he played reasonably nicely in the first few rounds, um, but I just think he went for it just a, a bit too much, um, and then just paid the price instead of being patient and just still going for you know let's try and make. Just hit some greens and then try and make some putts. Um, you know, I think I think we needed. I think he just needed to um, to just to be a little more patient and then just hope that you know he he would be able to hit some some of those nice valleys which um, the flags were were placed at the bottom of. Okay, so the final point of order um, I wanted to discuss because I know it's something that a lot of people have talked about over the last few days is Ernie Els and what happened to Ernie on the first. In particular, the first round, although it, it did happen, I think, at the start of round two as well. Um, seven putts on the first green. Uh, I think the first putt was from quite a while away, so it was six putts from about three feet. Um, I've never seen an attack of the yips as bad as that, and it's excruciating to rot. watch. What did you both think? Yeah, as someone who's never suffered from it, I can only sympathise, but it looked horrific especially to happen on the first hole you just want the ground to open up and swallow you and then you have to go and play 17 more holes at Augusta National on some of the most tricky greens in world golf so I felt very sorry for him at that moment summed up by the fact that he couldn't even hole one when he just went nonchalantly to try and tap it in with one hand the ones that always go in the hole when you do them at your club he couldn't even hole one of them poor guy it, the, the saddest part of it for me watching is that he it, it's obviously become a problem for him over the last year or so and it's happened a few times we've seen it and uh, in this age that we live in where everything anybody who's got any kind of notoriety or fame does is recorded on camera so the internet there were, immediately there were camera angles all over the place of this and and the putter just is not behaving itself when you watch the the down the line in particular there's one down the line uh, view of it you see the putter just sort of swipes across the ball and it it's just a yip. There's just, there's no other way of putting it. There's, it's a yip. And Ernie reset himself, tried again, yipped it again, reset himself, tried again, yipped it again. And I, I just had the feeling that a lot of people there watching at home who've never suffered with the yips, thinking to themselves, just tap it in. What's the problem? It's, it's easy. But, um, God, that's, but that's part of the reason why golf is such a great game, because the mental strain that it puts on you is unique within sport. And you yeah. saw it with Jordan Spieth. Yeah. I, th- I think Ernie. I think Ernie Els needs to have a chat with Bernard Langer, and try and see if he can help him out or anything like that. Because Langer obviously had horrendous yips um, in the in the mid nineties or whatever, um, and now you know he's playing he's playing nice golf now, especially on the Champions Tour as we've already mentioned. It, it was after after the first time we watched it, which you had to watch it and. I couldn't watch it again. It was you start watching it again, and after about two of the putts, I think as Jason Day was with with, with him, you just couldn't look at he just couldn't look at it anymore because it was um it was not great to see. I think Ernie Earls actually played really well after that. Um, he did, 
Uh, he did, but but you kind of there's nothing to play for know. after that happened. I do also want oh, this is something we hadn't mentioned. I do wonder what effect it had on Jason Day, um, watching that for for two rounds. I t- if you had to watch that for two days in a row, I don't think you'd have a, a, a load of confidence in your own game. But um, probably waking up in a cold sweat. Yeah, in the middle of the night. but that doesn't have to start happening to me. He did respond to the seven part by playing the front line in thirty one though, so yeah, not too much of an effect. <laughs> <laughs> it probably had a bigger effect on Ernie. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, right, gents. I have a, a masters quiz for you. Let's do it. I'm sorry. Predominantly about last night's event. Oh God. Right, um, okay. Please, can you um, remove any items that may reveal important information about the final round and about the, the Masters in general? I've got uh, five questions for you. And uh, this week, the topics are history, Danny, leaderboard, Danny Jr., and Lucky Dip. <laughs> okay, so... Um, Nicholas, we'll start with you, and we'll start with history. Okay. No pressure. Uh, Danny Willett obviously won the, the, the Masters last night as a European, but who was the last oh. European to win the Masters? The last European to win the Masters was Jose Maria Olazabal in 1999. I knew that one. Correct. Out of all correct. Thomas, um, Danny Willett became the seventh European to win the Masters. Can you name the others? Um, yes, <laughs> I can. Yes, I can. Uh, in your own time. Okay. Oh, you want me to? Uh, you want me to <laughs> yeah. say them? Yeah, yes isn't enough, Tom. <laughs> uh, okay. Sandy Lyle. Ian yes. Woosnam. Yes. Nick Faldo. Yes. Uh, Alathabelle. Yeah. Uh, how many are there? Seven total, including... You've got two more. Two more. Two more. Um, Seve? Yes. Who have I forgotten? Hang on. Hang on. Oh, and, and <laughs> I Langer. I'll tell you that. Yes. yes. Well done. There you go. It's one all. Boom. Um, okay, Nick, your question on Danny Willett. Um, this was his fifth professional win. Can you name the others? <laughs> Uh, okay, <laughs> he won the 2013 BMW International Open. I'm so glad Correct. this was not my question. <laughs> uh, I'm struggling with the second. He won the Omega European Masters last year. He Correct. won this year. He won the Dubai Desert Classic. What was yep. his second victory? So <sighs> you're missing one. He won. He won the Masters this year, Nick. Does, if that helps. Yeah. Second professional victory, so it must have happened in 2014. Mm. Come, Stato. I oh, know the Nordia Masters. Uh, no, it's the Ned Bank. Oh, shoot, of course. Matt <laughs> 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 Creech just turned up online there. <laughs> um, Half Thomas, point. Thomas, your question on, um, on Danny. Yes. Um, how many times has he played at Augusta? Not how many rounds, but how many times has he played in the tournament? Mm, I think... Was this his second? It was. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. Something, these qu- questions are very skewed. Come on. Nick, you, you, usually you're quite good at not, not um, blaming the question master. I'm sure it'll even out. Um, leaderboard. 
Nick, what did Bernard Langer shoot on the last day? Oh man! Um, oh man! Oh man! Golly gosh! Stop! Stop paying attention to him quite early on. They stopped showing him. That's why. I think he was about five over after fourteen. So let's go with seventy-nine. Correct. Oh, nice. are we sure? Out the bag there. Are you sure? It was correct. He did shoot seventy-nine. It was a disappointing final round. It did make me smile slightly because Monty, in his um, in his preview um, part on Sky, um, decided to go big on saying how. No one will beat Bernard Langer. In terms, sorry, he, Bernard Langer won't beat himself. Right. You'll have to go out and beat Bernard Langer. And then within about five holes, it looked as if Bernard was beating himself quite yeah. effectively, actually. Yeah, he could have, he could have benefited. He could have done with some uh, more tricky conditions. It was a little bit too placid for him. Um, Thomas, Hello. where did leading amateur Bryson DeChambeau finish? Um... So, he sh- what did he shoot? God, I know. I know he. Sh- I think he was. F- I think he shot. I think he's five over. Th- That's not why I, I asked. I think I'm pretty sure he He finally birdied the eighteenth hole, having played it in about seven over. <laughs> so. Five over. So, what did I say? So, Rory and Jason. I'm gonna have to press okay, you for Rory an and Jason Day were <laughs> what they won over, and they finished tenth. So, four. Let's go. Twenty-first. Tied twenty-first. Tied twenty-first. I'll give you that. <laughs> is it right? Is that right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was gonna say twentieth. What? I was gonna say twenty. I'm gonna say twentieth. And I thought that's outrageous. I thought oh, I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> was that right? Is that really right? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> um, so I was getting very excited uh, after thirty-five holes as someone who had money on Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah, and then Gosh. he yanked a couple left. Sadly, he, he then hit it into what appeared to be some sort of greenkeeper's hut. He, he hit it yeah. into the little. Twice. He hit it into the little chef, I think. Of, <laughs> um, Nicholas, uh, your Willett Junior question. What is Danny Willett's son's That's name? That's the one I know. That, can I can I answer that? Can that be my one? You, your one is different. Oh, I, I know that one though. <laughs> and this one, Nick, is easy. So oh, you're, all you're complaining it's about a how ridiculous name isn't it? It's like, no, it's a good name. Oh, I wanted that one. <laughs> Something strange like Zoltan, but I can't remember it. Zoltan. No. Uh, Zlatan. It's, it's Zachariah, isn't it? It's Zachariah. Zachariah. It is. Zach. So it's not that no. weird. Okay, it's not. I thought it was weirder. Zoltan. <laughs> Zoltan's weird. Zoltan Willard. Um, <laughs> um, Thomas, when was Zachariah Willett born? Oh, I, well, what's the date? I should know this. What is the date today? I don't even know what the date today is. <laughs> it's the, it's the, the 11th. Today. Okay. Um... It was, I think it was 13, I'm going to say, what was it, uh, uh, 30th of March. 29th oh of March. <laughs> I lived keeps, to fight in the last question. That keeps Nick Oh, do you know what I'm saying? He said 13 days yesterday, didn't he? Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Uh, Nick, um, as the person who's currently trading, mm-hmm. you have the choice of Lucky Dip 1 or Lucky Dip 2. 1, please. Um, 
Your lucky dip one question is about Jordan Spieth. What club did he hit on the 12th tee? Okay. Golf club. Uh, right, it was, what, 150. There wasn't much wind. Surely it's a 9-9. Correct. So, Thomas. Have this for the win. For the W. Uh, for the W, we, we, we said no, we banned that, that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was this year's cut mark? Oh, this year's cut mark. When was the cut? So, <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a minute. You've not had a lot of sleep. No, in the I last really few haven't. Days, so the cut mark was so you made the cut. If yes, you were on six on. over, if you were on seven over, you missed the cut. Correct and correct. Boom. Winner. Fair play. Five out of five. Can't argue with that. Well, no, I didn't get five out of five. Or four out of five. <laughs> I haven't had much sleep either. <laughs> at least you haven't got a newborn baby running around or, yes, or crying true. at home. Indeed. Um, okay, gents. So that was the 2016 Masters. Um, final thoughts? Uh, great event. Back to its former glories now. Um, glad to see Danny win it, uh, winning with what was one of the finest performances in the final round uh, in recent Masters history. So let's remember that, not the speed collapse. And I, and I want to say, actually, I think it was full of brilliant moments from Dustin Johnson hitting it through loads of trees on 15. Yeah, what a shot that to, was. Uh, yeah, that was uh, to Louis Usazen's billiard-like hole-in-one on 16. And all the other holes in 116, it was great. I love a hole in 116 on Sunday. It's common things I sit down and, and, and watch for. And congratulations to Danny Willett being the first European to win the Masters this millennium. Mm. Yes. First person to say that, I think. So. <laughs> um, no, it was, a, it was a stunning performance from Danny, and he, he rightly deserves his green jacket. I think we would all agree with that. And... It may be that we don't particularly want to focus on the Jordan Spieth element, but without it, it wouldn't have been as exciting as it was. It was, um, it was truly enthralling to watch, and um, it does, it does remind you why Augusta is, what, how good, you know, how good it is to watch Augusta. Why we all sit there for days on end when when Masters April comes around. Um, because things like that can happen and do happen. Um, okay, gents. Well, thank you for joining us this week. And thank you. Um, Thank you for downloading this podcast. Um, if you uh, want to subscribe to us, you'll get the podcast direct to your, uh, your phone every week. So um, please do that. But uh, for now, from the clubhouse, it's goodbye.